The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from Jesus, who is our foundation and our hope. Amen. Since last March, when our building closed, there are many things I have missed about being together in worship. I've missed your faces and your voices, shaking your hands and hearing about your week. I have missed a running hug around the knees from kids on the run and the sound of singing as communion is shared among us. I've missed the conversations over the coffee pot and the donuts and sitting next to an acolyte whispering about when it's time to get up and collect the offering. I've missed the quiet hush between confession and absolution in the moment before the choir sings or the bells ring when you know that something beautiful is about to happen. On Wednesday night of this week, I wanted nothing more than to throw open wide the doors of the sanctuary, to light candles, to be together for prayer, to weep and rage and listen and grieve and lament, to turn toward our biblical stories of truth-telling, and justice-making. And one of the things I've missed the most is the joy and the laughter and the holy celebration of baptism. So I went to the sanctuary the other day and I walked into the quiet, cold space and I wrapped the baptismal bowl in a towel. I've done this twice before last summer when we celebrated some baptisms outside on the labyrinth. For those times, I wrapped the bowl and I carried it out to the center of the labyrinth and put it on a card table. And small groups of families gathered as we filled the bowl with water and we stood at the center of that winding labyrinth path and we splashed water on a baby's head and we said with great joy, child of God, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. This time, I wrapped up the baptismal bowl and I put it in the back seat of my car, and I brought it home so that it could be a part of this sermon today. 
anytime I move this bowl, I become aware again of how fragile it is, how easily it could be broken or shattered. My hands get a little sweaty when I move it, which is highly counterproductive since nobody wants to be the pastor who broke the baptism bowl during a pandemic. But we made it. <laughs> so here it is. The bowl that usually lives in our sanctuary, normally right at the doors to our worship space, reminding us that we enter and we are sent from worship from any place, really, through the promises and the calling of baptism. It seems strange to see this bowl here in a different context, belongs someplace else. It's an interloper in this space. It's sticking out as too large for any ordinary household use. I find myself this week aware of it, that it's here and it's vulnerable to the routines and activities of a busy house. It seemed even more fragile than usual. I come around a corner and there it is. What are you doing here? I wonder. What are you doing here? Is a question that has haunted me this past week. What are you doing here? I wondered when extremists broke through barriers and entered the nation's capital. What are you doing there? I worried when lawmakers were forced to huddle under their desks or be rushed to secret locations for their safety. What are you doing there, I wondered, when the president urged on the extremists' behavior and told them that they were special and loved. What are we doing here, I wept. When Confederate flags were carried through the halls of Congress, and flags bearing the name of Jesus were carried next to them. What on earth are we doing here? While all of this was happening in the halls of power, a peaceful demonstration had been going on a short distance away. On Wednesday morning, Lutheran clergy from the Metro DC area had gathered in prayer and protest after white supremacists had torn down Black Lives Matter signs at several area churches and had damaged other churches weeks ago. While they worshiped, extremists barged into the space, used racial epithets against those who were gathered and reenacted the death of George Floyd in front of them. This news was shared by Bishop Leila Ortiz, who is the ELCA Bishop of the Metro DC Synod. Within a few hours, at least some of those same extremists were sitting in the chairs of lawmakers while guns were drawn and doors barricaded inside. What are we doing here? I remembered this week the words of Psalm 46. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter, the waters roar and foam. A small gathering of church folk in a sanctuary doesn't seem like much in the face of roaring nations and tottering kingdoms, in the face of guns and lies and brutality and full-throated white supremacy on display. Faith and church and democracy 
feel very, very fragile. Could shatter into a million pieces beyond repair. What are they doing here? Today's gospel turns us for a while away from the city, away from the halls of power, of deliberation and decision, and out into the wilderness. All we have for our journey is the promise of a rather strange prophet named John, who's out there waiting for us, waiting to dunk us in the waters of a muddy river and tell us to repent before we go home. This prophet even baptizes Jesus, we read. Jesus so determined to be with us in our whole human experience, living fully into everything from the beginning of life to its end, that he's baptized just like we are and then thrown into the wilderness to begin his life of healing and preaching and feeding and being the very good news of God made flesh and blood. In the face of the injustices and inequalities and abuses of power of his own day, this baptismal water may not seem like much for Jesus to start out with. It almost seems out of place, hardly enough to change the world. What's Jesus doing out there? In the face of extremism, a few church folk gathered in a sanctuary feels like foolishness, out of place, hardly enough to change the world. What are they doing in there? In the routines of a busy house, a ceramic bowl doesn't stand much of a chance. It's almost inevitably going to fall and break. Not yet. What is it doing here? My first instinct, and maybe yours with fragile things, is to protect them. Maybe I should have left this bowl in the sanctuary, where it will stay safe, where no one will bump into it by accident, where no one with nefarious intent could harm it. It'd be especially safe right now with so few opportunities for any of us to be in the sanctuary space at all. Certainly, the baptismal bowl would be intact if we just left it there. I bet you know where this is going. There's a reason we generally celebrate baptisms in the context of worship. It's because we need not just someone to baptize, but a community to proclaim the words of belonging and belovedness. So when we baptize someone in worship, regardless of what age they are, you who are there as the community, you are the living body of Christ and you speak the words of God from Jesus' baptism. You are the dove which landed on him. You say, yes, we will love you. We will welcome you. But what we don't say is, and then let's just keep all this in here because it's pretty dangerous out there. No. The baptismal liturgy ends with a charge. Join us in giving thanks and praise to God and bearing God's creative and redeeming word to all the world. In case we forgot, and there are many reasons why we shouldn't have, but that's a sermon for another day. In case we forgot, we have learned again anew this week that big things can still be fragile.
democracy for one and baptism for another. When our baptismal call drives us out into the world to speak and act and work for real justice, we will be uncomfortable. When we open our minds and hearts and ears to truly listen to each other, when we are out there with God, we are fragile. And it may not seem like much, water and a promise. So we might very well be tempted to wrap it up carefully and tell ourselves, this faith thing is too holy to take risks with. We should just leave it here in the sanctuary where nothing can happen to it and it'll be safe. Except that nothing happens with it. When I miss being in worship together, when I miss your faces and your voices, when I miss your hands receiving communion and kids dropping pencils during the sermon and your hands clasped in prayer, when I miss pouring the waters of baptism on someone's head, I grieve. And then I remind myself of this. None of that was ever supposed to stay in the sanctuary in the first place. All of it all of who we are. Our baptism shows us that all of us is sent into the world, into the wilderness, with this fragile but indestructible gift. The heavens are ripped open in the story so that we can hear how much God loves this beautiful, broken, battered world and all its people. And the waters of a muddy Middle Eastern river, or maybe the waters of the frigid Puget Sound or the icy Potomac, show us how ordinary things are the vehicle for renewal and transformation when we pay attention to them. Beloved ones, remember, Jesus learned the hard way that things break. He did, finally, on the cross. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two when Jesus breathed his last. And it felt as if the wilderness he entered then had no beginning and no end and only chaos remained. But remember, hold firm to what we are learning in these days, that the ending is where God begins. That fragile things bear the holy and that we as baptized children belong out there so that people will look at us and begin to say, what are they doing there? And recognize how all of us are part of God's work of mending what is broken. So this week I invite you to go find a bowl somewhere in your house. Probably not this big. The more ordinary, the better. The more fragile, the better. Fill it with water and put it someplace where you, where you will see it every day. Every time you pass it, make a cross on your head with the water and repeat two things. First, the baptismal promise. I am God's beloved child. And then the baptismal question. Now. What am I doing here? Amen.